Welcome to the Beautiful Souls Podcast with your host, myself, Danielle Cadwell. I'm an Olympian author, speaker, and coach, and I'm here to dive deeper into all things mindset, manifestation, mission, and yes, some meditation. In 2013, I was an unfit, concussed, and massively self-conscious synchronized swimmer when an opportunity arrived that was well beyond my wildest dreams to begin training for the next Olympic Games. I was terrified. However, I decided to take the biggest leap of my life. I went all in, moving from Canada to Australia and dedicating my life to my sport. On this journey, I made a vow to myself. If I could do it, if I could really make my wildest dreams come true, I would spend the rest of my life sharing what I had learned to help others do the same. So beautiful souls, this podcast is where I fulfill my promise. We'll talk about everything from the energetics of manifestation and the power of self-worth to mindset cultivation and how to step up and into your soul mission. You can think of this time together as kind of like a soul spa, where together we will wash away your fears, massage you with some truth and some love, and spruce you up on the insides with some spirituality. So, are you ready to be rejuvenated from the inside out? Let's dive in. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited because I have a beautiful guest here who is a beautiful soul herself, and I met recently in person, and I needed to share her magic with you. So I want to introduce you, Emirate Maraid, who is a Vancouver-based activist, Reiki master, exotic dancer, trauma-informed shadow worker, and founded founder of Intuitive Karma. Through her work, she's committed to helping women reclaim their sacred creative life force energy to be able to live their most liberated and authentic life. I'm so here for that. By weaving together energy medicine and practical therapeutical tools, learned through her background as a social worker, she helps people reconnect to her intuition, their intuition, and follow their inner knowing as a way to affect change within themselves and their communities. Oh, I love that. And I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. You can probably feel through her voice that she's like a shining light beam of a like human. <laughs> oh my goodness. I feel the same way about you. So oh, that's so yeah, good. It's so nice to meet you. It's so nice to know you. It's so nice to know you. We so I went to this event um recently in Vancouver because I'm like putting myself out there and I'm living by what I say. Um and I was at this women's networking event and met some beautiful women and I was like kept looking at this lady and I was like I feel like I need to talk to her, you know, just following my intuition. And, and anyways, I went up to her, which is Emerald, Um, And I was like, I need to talk to you. And she's like, I feel like I need to talk to you too. And so that just that kindred spirit that like feminine knowing um, brought us together, which I think is pretty cool. That's landed us here. Yes, totally. Totally. And I think that we were both like the most wildly dressed people there as well. Like you were wearing like a pink like blouse, which was like very loud. And I was wearing this like very sexy red dress. And I was like, Ooh, yes, honey. Like, I, just I like, I like looked at you and I'm like, she's been to Bali. Like <laughs> I just, I could tell, I was like, you know, hundred <laughs> percent. Oh and I actually could tell even by what you're wearing. I was like, she's a sex coach. I know it. Like it's the red dress and it's the snake. I like, I, I have seen them, but I also like, I love you. If, if you've listened to my podcast, I love sex coaches. Like I'm so here for them. I'm not one myself, but I'm just like, I find being around, and I've said this to you, I'm like being around women that are sexually liberated is some of the most like, empower, the most empowered that you will ever feel because sexually liberated women just don't give a fuck. But also sexually liberated women are 
dangerous in a good way because we don't give a fuck and we can change the world. A freaking <laughs> men. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And it's so true. I mean, mm. I was on a call just before this and I was talking about sex work and everything that comes along with it. And the woman that I was talking to, she was just like, I need to move back to Vancouver and I need to work at a club and I need to like be in this temple and energy and be influenced by all of these other women who are, yeah, just like so empowered in their sexuality. It's, mm-hmm. it's so potent and powerful. So I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Was that always who you were when you were growing up? Have you always been this type of person, but what's been the story that's led you here? Oh my goodness. Um, whew. okay. Where to begin? I have had a bit of a tenuous relationship with sexuality my entire life. Um, I grew up uh, in Montreal. That's where I'm originally from. I live in Vancouver now, but I was born and raised in Montreal. Um, I was raised by a single mother. And I think I really have to credit my mom with like instilling within me this powerful belief that like sexuality is like your most. How do I want to say this? It's your greatest gift is like being able to be out there with your sexuality and to be able to flirt and to be able to um, just like be a very warm presence in somebody else's life and owning that power within yourself is like the most transformational thing. I mean, my mother is like a very Venusian figure. Like she's just very beautiful and she's very Libra. I don't know if there are any people who are listening right now who are into astrology, I'm assuming, but yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, so I guess that, my journey with sexuality and like what brought me to this path was like not really feeling um, like kind of living in my mom's shadow for a lot of the time because she was like so beautiful and so like flowy and gorgeous. And I've always thought to myself like, oh, I could never be that. That's like her thing. Mm -hmm. And for a very long time, I had like a wound around um, being seen and showing up and owning my um, sexual power. I always just thought it was like quite taboo and all of the shadow that goes along societally with sex. Um, I just thought like, oh, okay, that's not for me. I'm very afraid of, mm-hmm. of going there because sexual energy can be so chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, but there came a time where, oh gosh, I I'm going on like a bit of a, no go tangent. Okay. We love okay. it. I'm going on a bit yeah. of a tangent here, but, um, <laughs> so I was in a relationship, um, this was around like six or seven years ago with somebody who was like, and I, hesitate to say this, but he was like a sex God. Like he just was like, he walked into a room and he just like commanded it, commanded the space. And I was like, Whoa, what is this? Like, who are you? Mm. And we were together for a little while ended quite terribly, but the whole relationship just really expanded for my consciousness. The fact that sexuality can be so powerful if wielded like with confidence and with strength and power within yourself and what you want it is the commanding energy that makes the life that you want to live possible. So after that relationship, I was like, Oh, like I, I need to do something about this. Like it's clearly there's something around this that needs to be unshamed and unblocked in my subconscious for me to like actually show up and start living the life that I want to live. Mm. Because I was living in fear of my sexuality for so long that mm. it was so repressed. Um, and <sighs> how I started dancing was after that relationship ended, I was on Tinder and I saw someone who was like, just all abs. <laughs> I was like, this is so ridiculous. What are you doing, dude? Like, um, and it turned out that he was an exotic dancer. 
and oh. we were like, I was like, oh, like, that's so cool. Like, I've never met a male exotic dancer before. He's like, yeah, like, if you want, you can come work at the club. And I was like, oh, okay, great. So it was the gentleman's club on the bottom and then like ladies club on the top. So uh, he was associated with it and I started dancing and I was like, this is what I've been missing my whole life. Like, I didn't even realize that like I needed so much to be like seen in that sexual power mm-hmm. and to be able to use that in order to like, one, make money and to um, express all of those parts of myself that had been repressed for so long. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like my journey with it. And through that, I've just recognized the importance of like really owning the shame that comes around mm. sexual expression. And it's not only like sexual expression is just a way to express certain things that you haven't been able to fully express in your life. So it doesn't even necessarily need to be sexual. It's like ways that you've been disempowered and believed a different narrative in your life, mm. all stored in like your sexual organ organs. It's all stored in like your sacral a- area, like which is like the second chakra. Um, and to be perfectly honest, like when you're able to really totally confront that and own that shadow and that shameful part, it's those shameful parts of yourself that you didn't think deserved to be loved, then you can just become so much more self-expressed in your life and through your voice and through your heart in all of those ways. I think it's so important to be able to truly own yourself and own your desires and own your pleasure. Because if you're not, if you're constantly putting your energy into shutting those parts of yourself down, then you're not living a fully expressed life. So that's a little bit about my story. (laughs) I love that. And it's so like true as well. This is like conversations that I've had of there's so much shame that is stored around sexual experiences or fetishes or, you know, and a lot of people have had sexual abuse. Like there's for people that aren't open to it, like a vast majority of women and men have had a abusive sexual experience or poor sexual experience, um, whether that be young or at any age. But I truly believe the path to healing that is exploring our own sexuality in a safe container, you know, while navigating our shame and not taking it out on anyone. Because the reason people have fetishes that come out in things that are not okay is because they haven't explored the avenue of themselves nor healed the avenue of themselves. And I think that's probably maybe a controversial thing to say, but it's like, you know, even me and um, Luca have explored that in our own relationship. It's like, we all have sexual shame. We all have weird sexual thoughts, but when we have a safe space to be like, this is how I feel, this is what's come up. Okay. I'm just going to witness that. It doesn't manifest into an experience that is not okay in society. Totally. And I I really appreciate you saying that because I'm not sure if any of the readers or any of the readers, any of the listeners have, have heard of, um, I think his name is Richard Schwartz. He wrote this book called no bad parts and the parts of ourselves that have been disenfranchised and told to be wrong. Likely they're the parts of ourselves that we've we've felt that our own power has been taken away from us. So for example, I mean like sexual trauma, sexual shame, it's really about people who have experienced sexual trauma have have had their power taken away Mm -hmm. and they've had their voice taken away and they've like been silenced. And it doesn't necessarily even need to be a sexual trauma to be a traumatic experience for that womb space or, you know, sexual, whatever sexual organs you identify with having then- Mm -hmm. It's, it's all stored in that area, right? Mm. So if you're told like, you're ugly, that's a trauma, right? 
So any way, how do I even want to put this? The way that that expresses is that you need to be beautiful to be loved. If you're Mm -hmm. ugly, then you're unlovable. So if you're constantly like putting the energy into like having to perform, to be loved, to be beautiful, to be loved, then you're disenfranchising this part of you that might be ugly, but all of that energy is being stored in that energy center of your body. And you're not, it's taking away from like the authentic expression of your life. So when you allow certain things to happen or like you're allowing yourself to be ugly or to like fully express that ugliness, Mm. then you're really reclaiming your power. Mm. Absolutely. And even like, I I feel like places like BDSM, I I think I said this, this was like on a mastermind call with like one of my coaches about six months ago. Cause I was like, I feel like BDSM is like the shadow work that everyone needs to like liberate their fucking life. And if, if I, if I heard myself say that like 15 years ago, I'd be like, who is this? I grew up Catholic, right? It's like, none of this shit was talked about. And, and all of that is also associated with like evil, right? For some reason, cause that religion has been like, oh, that level of sexuality is evil. Um, but it's so empowering and even exploring that in my own relationship it's like oh like this this part of myself that is you know likes to hate on me or um you, you know wants to experience a level of pain like i can healthily express that in my relationship through bdsm or you know like power dynamics and different aspects of that um have you read Ex- existential kink no i haven't <gasps> Okay, you need to read that book because that was a real big eye opener for me. Um, it's like this lady that she has a PhD, um, Caroline something, can't remember her last name, but basically she was saying like she couldn't figure out why she kept being in such shitty situations in her life, like continuously. And she realized that there was a part of her that loved and like frothed, like being in that shit. And so she started to kind of express that more in like a sexual manner of just like, oh, you like bad girl, like you love being in this place. And it was liberating for her and it was like ways for her to get out of that sabotage pattern. So now she has like created this entire modality, which is called, it's called existential kink and she has a book and it's like so powerful, right? Cause it's like, we can turn that into a different way of transmuting that energy. That's not beating ourselves up. Yes. Oh my goodness. I love that. And you know what I really picked up on with what you were saying there, it's really just about like that self-trust, mm-hmm. right? Like if you can trust yourself enough to go there, then that's where the magic happens, right? Like it really requires a lot of us to like not run from those parts of ourselves that might feel weird or societally Mm -hmm. shameful. But like when you actually get in touch with yourself and you're like, this is holding me back from like living my best life. And as I said, it doesn't necessarily even need to be sex. Mm. It's like when you're able to encounter those parts of yourself that are like, oh, this is like really holding me back. Like what's going on there? Like what's that like subconscious limiting belief that is running in my head that's stopping me from living my life. Like when you're able to really trust that and like go there, that's when the, that's when things start to change for yourself. So it can express in any way, which I think is really really cool. Could be like that, that girl, Caroline, um, existential king, existentially kinky. Like, it's so cool to know Mm -hmm. that like it can come out in so many different ways. Not everyone as probably as like drawn to this essential side as you were, because it seems to have been something that's super inherent in you. So I know that I know that you now work with women to help them like dive into this and heal this. What is like a first step for somebody? Because, you know, for you, it it was going and becoming an exotic dancer to a degree, right? And having great sexual experiences, but that's not going to be everyone's path. Like where does somebody start if they're wanting to tap into all of this? Ooh, that's a great question. I 
I think it can really start in like a safe space, like, like your home. Mm. Um, so I personally like just love journaling and mm. I'm like a lifelong journaler. Um, so can you just ask that question again? I'm sorry. Like where does someone start to explore their sensuality in a safe way if it's totally foreign to them? Ooh, okay. Fantastic. Okay. So I would say doing mirror work is really wonderful. So sitting at home, doing a little bit of journaling. Yes. Yeah. Do, doing a little bit of journaling and just like looking at yourself in the mirror mm-hmm. and like just starting to really like encounter yourself. Right. Like, so giving yourself like a little bit of pleasure and a little bit of like reverence for the places that you've been. So when you're looking at yourself and you're saying to your, like, you're just looking deeply into your own eyes and you're like, I love you. I care for you doing like the Ho'opono healing. I love you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. Thank you. Saying that to yourself is so freaking powerful. Mm. Starting really small, right? Mm. So if that feels like it's too much, just sit with your own breath and like, just start touching your body and like, just seeing what is like, what is a felt sense for you around like your own touch on your own skin. Mm. And if that feels uncomfortable or unsafe, it can just start with like, even looking around the space and just scanning really slowly just to drop into this like sensual experience of like life in general. Right. So if you're just sitting there taking like a very slow scan of the space around you, slower than you think is even possible and just recognizing like where you're situated in space. And from there, there's so much aliveness that is even in your body that you might not even regularly encounter on the day to day when you can drop into that presence then that opens yourself up to like a very sensual experience of the world around you and a sensual experience of yourself being alive in this body, which is really special. Mm. I think one of the things that I really learned about sensuality is that so much of it like starts with presence, you know, um, And that's like the thing that so many of us lack in this society, right? Just because the ding, ding, ding of social media and the busyness of our lives and all of that and our mind, you know, and so even just, you know, being present with like my own touch of my own leg or my breath, or um, I was, when I started to dive into like more of this myself, it was like one of my um, coaches at the time, she was saying like, can you just like, if you're feeling things come up, you're feeling nerves come up, can you just stroke yourself as just gently um, as you, you know, maybe if you're on a call uh, or maybe if you're in, you know, it's easier if you're on Zoom, you're probably not going to do it as much in public because it's really calming. You know, I was like the kid when I was growing up that my mom would stroke my arm and that would calm me down, but that's pleasure as well. Right. And, and even realizing that not all pleasure has to be like overtly sexual, but pleasure can be, but it doesn't have to be right. Completely, completely. We're so, it's such a twisted narrative around mm. sex and pleasure. And it's like, it doesn't necessarily like touch can just be really soothing, right? Like it is one of the five love languages, right? So like, mm-hmm. even if you're just able to like give yourself a nice hug, like it's so great. Like that's how I start my mornings. Like in my bed, I'm like, okay, my alarm goes off. And then I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna like give myself a nice little hug and be cozy. And so that just sets yourself up for the day in a way that just feels really safe. Mm-hmm. Like I'm here for you and that's presence, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's really important that that people can understand that for themselves. And like, deeply drop into that understanding of themselves Mm -hmm. knowing that your body is like it's the vehicle for your life and the vehicle for your pleasure there's 
I feel like a lot of women that are curious about this, but then there's another group of humans that, and I know they're even speaking about like, this is coming up very much in like places like Japan where people are identifying as like asexual or just like having literally no interest in sex at all. Like wondering why it's even a point other than procreation. Where do you think that is coming from? And is that, I don't know why I I wonder if that's just a repression of like fear, pain or trauma, or if that's actually like where our world is going, because in my mind, it seems sad to have people live their lives without experiencing like beautiful making love or an incredible orgasm and people just like not even wanting that because I've spoken to a lot of people. They're like, I'm just not interested in it, you know, and that makes me sad for them. I yeah, you know. I think it's a, that's a really great question and a really great query for us, like as a society to even ponder, because we are like living in an age of like virtual reality and AI and, mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. And I think that that really just like brings us up to the mind being in this like age of Aquarius, which is all about like visions of the future and community, but that really disembodies us from like our mm-hmm. real lived experience. And there are all kinds of different manifestations of sexuality and what that looks like and yeah, I, I think that it's just a disembodiment, really, mm-hmm. of like truly living in the present moment. But I do believe that we're coming into this age where like our minds and our hearts are starting to like form a relationship with one another. And there is potential for that to look really different um, for our con- for our society in the mm-hmm. future. So I, yeah, I think that that's a really great question. And I think that that's something that you would, that, that could be asked to many people. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, these are the things I think about in my spare time. Can you tell that I'm a Scorpio, yeah, like, right? Oh, I'm like, <laughs> really incredible. Yeah, no, I've, I've been doing that as well. Like what does mm-hmm. this new version of society look like if we're disembodied from our sexuality and like, we're disembodied from like our human connections, you know, like even with COVID-19, it was all about like being on zoom mm-hmm. and like zoom fatigue, looking at a screen, but like, what is that doing to our body? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cause you just, it feel, and this is, you know, me and Luca run retreats. Like it is so different being in person with people. Like you co-regulate someone's energy, right? Especially if someone's calm and another person like is searching for that level of healing that even just being in that person's presence is healing, right? Or, or feeling the energy of the group is so powerful. You know, I, we were like, even like we've had dinner and we're like, oh my gosh, just feel like buzzing afterwards, right? It's like, yeah, it's like that on Zoom, but it's just not the same level it's so much better in person I think that's why like having people be curious about discovering more about their sensuality and exploring that is such an incredible way to yeah like live life and think more creatively and have more ideas and help more people because you feel fucking alive from the inside truly and like it's that's, I love that because the seed of our creativity is like within like the mm-hmm. deepest parts of ourselves, right? Like it's ancestral. Like a lot of people think that creativity is only in the mind and the imagination. And don't get me wrong. I think that there's so many amazing things that you can do with the mind. Like it's a tool, but really like getting into the body and like into like your feet, even sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm trying to drop into a meditation and like, I'm still like, I'm up here, I'm up here, I'm up here, I'm thinking whatever. But if you can like really descend into like your sexual organs and like your feet, like it's a totally different lived experience when you're living from like, from your feet, you know, like <laughs> wild to say, but I like, I would encourage people to even try it. Like, okay, well, what are like, what's the alive sensation in my feet and not think about it, but like bring your mind down there. Mm. Oh, my, my toe. 
what is the consciousness of my toe? You know, it's so silly, but it's, it's like, yeah, constantly living up here rather than like being in our feelings. Mm -hmm. And I, I, uh, you know, I run this course um, with women called reclamation, where we go through this whole process of, you know, healing to reclaim our power. And we talk about sensuality in it. And, and at least on my own journey, and we kind of touched on this and what you said before, it's like, if you're on a healing journey, maybe some people, but I wouldn't say everyone dives straight into sensuality. It starts with the things like you said, like journaling and meditation and mirror work, because we have to find a level of safety on the other things, right? Because for me, it was like, I need to find self-worth in myself and in my body. Because if I just dove straight into the sensualness, then I would have all this other shit that would come up that I haven't dealt with that would block me from going deeper. And so like, I feel like it isn't always, sometimes depending on the person, it is the beginning of their work, but it, it, I find that women that are on the personal growth journey, the spiritual growth journey, they eventually always get to sensuality because it is that thing just like it like fucking pops the lid off of. Because I remember when I got into this, I'm like, oh my, I thought I knew everything. I'm like, I knew an inch and there's a fucking ocean to explore. And like, I've had some of the best sex ever. And I'm like, I know that there's still more to come, right? Because there's- not intended. <laughs> so much more to come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not really a question, but just my um, observation in, in doing this work. Um, for have you, for women that have experienced sexual trauma, and where would where would you say that they start with this? I'm gonna have to sit with that for a second. At its root, I think that sexual trauma is really a disenfranchisement of your own, of your own power, mm-hmm. right? Somebody who is like taking advantage of you, either energetically, mm-hmm. sexually, whatever it is. And it really, fe- it can feel like you've lost control, right? And in order to like really come back to yourself, it just requires like a great deal of compassion for yourself mm-hmm. and a great deal of like creating a a sense of felt safety in your body and in your own Mm. experience. Um, So when it comes to the reclamation of yourself and that sort of thing, it, it really starts in the body um, Mm. rather than like in the mind. And I would encourage anybody who's like gone through like a significant trauma to obviously work uh, around this with like a licensed professional um, just as like a disclaimer. Um, but from an energetic sense, like a lot of the time it's just like stored within like our sexual organs and within this like lower, these lower parts of ourselves. Um, and it can feel, it can feel like a lot and it can remind you of like times in your life where, where you have had your power taken away from you. Mm -hmm. And that can be like really deep work if you've like felt disenfranchised in other parts of your life. And then there's a sexual trauma that happens. You can just feel super unworthy. Um, mm. like, why did this happen to me? Like, what's wrong mm. with me? Like all of these questions can come up in your own, um, in your own consciousness. And then you're running with that constantly in your life. I'm just a victim, mm. all of this stuff. Um, so in order to like get to this space of healing, I think that it really requires like a holistic approach that is mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional mm-hmm. energetic, really. Because mm. it is all energy at the end of the day. Like energy, as I see it, is like the, the umbrella that holds this physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. It's like, it's all mm. within the energetic field. 
Um, and when you're able to like work with your own energy and like with what's coming up in your life and these like triggers that are coming up that might feel for you that you feel like disempowered or whatever it is, then you're able to like get a little bit of a better idea of where it's manifesting in your life and how to better care for yourself with like a lot of compassion and a lot of space. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really just comes down to like unconditional love for yourself, regardless mm-hmm. of like the things that you've gone through in your life, you know, whether that power has been taken away from you, um, consciously or unconsciously where you've been giving that power out. And that comes with all kinds of other like addictions and, and that sort of thing as well. So mm-hmm. I hope that answered your question. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a hard, one, it's though. a hard path. It's a hard path that, but it's also so worth diving into that because there can be so much reclamation and empowerment on the other side of that. And, um, I think I've, I've just spoken with many women that have had, you know, a sexual abuse at any age of their life. Um, and I think one thing that I referenced this at the beginning, like I want people to know is it actually, unfortunately is more common than you think. And it, we, I really can hope that for women listening to this or women in the future is like, we really take away the shame because I think that's the hardest thing, right? The shame is like the most contractive energy and the most contractive frequency. And if you lift that shame and you know that you can reach out for support, you can actually, you can shift that and you can overcome that and you can get to the other side of that. Um, and know that you aren't alone. And I don't mean that in a way of like, you're not special because your situation is unique and your tra- trauma is unique and your challenge is unique, but also there's many people that actually understand more than you would think. You know, I think so many of us think that we're separate, but we're all so much more alike than we think in a beautiful way. Absolutely. I agree with you hundred percent. And a lot of the time, like what I've, what I've recognized um, in working with people who have like gone through sexual traumas, et cetera, even if like that sexual trauma hasn't happened to you, like it may have happened to like a family member or like a grandparent or whatever. And that's like still living in you, right? Like those patterns are held so deeply. Like our sacral is like energetically ruled by water and water has memory. Water is memory. Mm. So if that's like something that a grandparent or great grandparent or parent or whatever it is experienced, like it might not be your personal experience, but that's just like the nature of intergenerational trauma where Mm. it's held in that space. And for how long have women identified humans been raped, pillaged, all those things like that is living within you. Mm. And for men too, right? Like if your mother went through something, it's, it's living in you too. Mm. So it's like quote unquote reclamation of the feminine. It's like really just an interweaving of like understanding that like in the past, there have been traumas, big, big T traumas that have happened. Not only sex, not even, not only sexual, but relational there are so many different things that have happened cultural whatever it is like based on your your family background all of these systems and structures that have moderated life for the last 2000 or so years pre you know yeah pre i don't know what the word is like in, in this last essentially like mm-hmm. millennia that has informed how we're showing up currently and a lot of the time it's based on fear and it's mm-hmm. super conscious And I think that's why it's also such a liberating time to be alive Um, as a woman, someone that identifies as a woman, because it's like we, 
still have a long way to go, but in many ways we are so much more free than we used to be, right? Like I, women only were allowed to vote last fucking century. Do you know what I mean? Like we have, and so, you know, wherever you are in the spectrum of your life, like I think that just doing this work of connecting more to yourself and your sensual power and your feminine power is like, so, you know, I, I say this and I always gets me emotional when I do this um, with my women, when I run circles with my women, but it's like, I, I even say like, we do this for ourselves and we do this for all the women in the world right now that can't, yes. because there's a lot that can't, right? And I think sometimes one of the things that I've like battled with my own life is like, I am a white woman, right? I do have privilege in this world and like how, how dare I have struggles and challenges when there's other people that are going through other things as well. And so that kind of lessening of my own challenge, but at the same time, what inspires me to continue doing this work is my own pain is valid, but also like when one woman liberates herself, it, it makes a ripple, right? It, it makes a difference and it, it, it empowers me to continue to do it because it makes a difference for all the women in this world that don't have that opportunity. And thank you for saying that. I, I, like, I totally agree with you. And having worked, you know, in the sex industry, that sort of thing, when you realize that, like, it, it's almost like it's a universal trauma, right? Like womanhood, like being a woman is a universal trauma mm. in and of itself, you know? So it really, like, of course, I myself am also like a white woman. Um, and And I do struggle with that as well. But at the same time, it's like, oh, if you're a woman you've had to have, like there, there's pain. Mm-hmm. It's just how it has been for the last millennia. Mm. If, you're, if you're looking like way back ancient times, ancient societies, that sort of thing, like women were so revered and uplifted for the power that they hold to create life, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that has been so feared and repressed. And frankly, like the, the feminine archetype in general of rest. And when you really get back to nature and you start to like ground into the elements themselves, it's like nothing really needs to be done, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just so much more grounded in this flow of the way that things were. And I think that we're really starting to come back to that as a society. And I think that that's really, really important because we're not gonna be burned anymore for mm-hmm. expressing ourselves. And I think that that's a really important thing within, I mean, obviously like we're speaking from like a Western perspective, yeah. we're not gonna be burned Yeah, yeah, anymore. Yeah. And taking a stand in that, I think, is really important for the women who can't. Mm, absolutely. I would love to kind of switch the energy and ask you about the work that you do. Um, you, when I first met you, you were like, I'm an exotic dancer. I'm like, that's awesome. Um, I can imagine that's not everyone's reaction. Um, and you've, how have you, yeah, I mean, you embody it with such like confidence and power. Um, but what's, it, what's been giving you the chance to let go of kind of that societal, I say shame that we put on that type of industry? It's been a journey, to be honest mm. with you. Um, I also recognize that like, I am privileged to be doing this. Like, and for myself, I've just never seen it in the same way as possibly like the grander society has seen it. And like, maybe mm. this is like my Aquarian streak, um, like having to do things differently and be seen as different. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just personally, I've never felt a sense of shame around it. You know, I mean, mm. 
yeah, I, I guess, um, the way that I like to see it is other people's projections are their own. Mm. And if you have like a problem with it, then like, what's the problem that you have with yourself? Mm. Has anyone ever like verbally had a problem with you? Oh, all the time, all the time. I mean, like go into the club and people are like, oh, like, don't you feel, um, like, uh, ashamed? It's like, no, like, why would you like a woman in her power expressing herself? Like, why is that shameful? Mm. A woman who's like making money off of being hot. Like, why is that shame? Like it's, it just has never computed for me. Mm. Um, because I just don't think that I've ever bought into the narrative of like sex as being dirty or wrong. Mm. I just, it it just never computed for me. So Mm. (laughs) maybe I'm just like neurodivergent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I guess that's, that's my answer to that. Um, a good friend of mine, she, uh, this analogy always like this visual always helps me. She was speaking about, it actually wasn't to do with sex or anything, but she was speaking about kind of like someone putting their projections as like giving, pushing a bowl towards you. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone just tries to go, Oh, well, like, aren't you ashamed? You, they push the bowl towards you and they're like, that's not mine. And you just like push it back. Right. Because that's ultimately like what it is. It's like people's and I can imagine you probably, even in people's reactions, you could probably see their level of comfortability with their own sensual life, right? Because it it probably can shake people that don't have that level of confidence. Totally. And what I found really interesting is in a lot of dating experiences, people might be fine with it. But then when it really comes down to it, it's like, are you like, are you okay with like, with somebody who is sexually expressed and is comfortable with their sexuality, mm-hmm. comfortable in the, in their own skin? it can be very triggering. It can be Mm -hmm. very, very triggering to see people in their power. And it's, it's just a mirror really at the end of the day, right? Like if you're embodying something and there's a sense of jealousy or or whatever it is, it will eventually come out, but ultimately like it doesn't belong to me. Mm. I think that that's a really important thing to even just recognize like being in this world, right? Like we're going to get triggered constantly by other people. Mm. It's about whether or not you want to own those triggers and own those shadows about yourself. Mm. How about like the conversation about, you know, I'm sure that there's people's husbands or partners that go and they have the gaze of some other beautiful woman. And that would bring up, you know, fear and jealousy and a lot of stuff. Um, And some people might not know that their partners go. How do you, what's your perspective on that? I'm not here to steal anybody's man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's my perspective on it. Yeah. You know, I think people go to, um, to see dancers for a variety of reasons, you know, yeah. I, I like to joke with my friends that like, I'm a naked therapist. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's literally that, you know, yeah. like people, because it's such a raw transaction, mm. there's like, there's kind of no bullshit, you know, like when you're, when you're naked and you're talking to somebody, it's like, they just feel so much more comfortable to like fully express things because you see everything like sexuality is so raw in that, um, in that environment. Mm. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going off topic though. What was your, what was that's your okay. No, no, no. I, I love a tangent. Um, um, yeah. Like what's your perspective on like women being jealous that their husbands or their partners, um, or people being jealous that their partners might go there you know, spend all night looking at a woman and go back home. Right. Some, some women, uh, some people see that as cheating. It's a fantasy. Mm. It's a fantasy, right? Like, and it's work. Like it's, it's a fantasy for, for the people who are going there to Mm. see this, like the embodied temple, 
Mm. Then on the other side of that is like, these women are working, right? Like mm-hmm. it takes a lot for somebody to like get out there in like a skimpy bikini and start walking around and start selling, mm-hmm. right? Like you're selling sex, you're selling, that's what it is. You're selling, you're mm-hmm. selling, but you're also selling a fantasy of like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, what to, who is this? Like, what is like, what's going on? And, and it can elicit a different kind of, um, I guess, conversation of the mind, like in Mm. in its own personal experience of being in that space. Um, And I get like, everybody has their own thing, right? Like it could be like a repression, you know, like people come to the club to be entertained. Um, Mm -hmm. There's like, everybody has their own reason. And for myself, it's not really my business to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, like it's an entertainment, it's an energetic exchange, you make money and that's it. Yeah, yeah, for you, it's, and I think on another level that goes back to the societal like shame that we place on that industry um you know that just like you said like not even take anyone's man right but like sometimes people think that because of their own insecurities and you know their lack of connection with their own sexuality or maybe open dialogue with their partner right so they can think all of those things which aren't necessarily true but then it's like looking at yourself and saying like, oh, where am I not liberated, right? Like if I'm seeing mm-hmm. this in her sexual power or whatever it is, like there's this like Madonna, Madonna horse split, right? Like, oh, I need to be so pure and I need to be so um, virginal in my relationship that I can't even like speak my needs to my partner. And it's like, that's such bullshit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if, if you're with somebody, they should be with you wholly. That's just my belief mm-hmm. you know? and wholly and completely. And for you to like be able to speak your needs in that kind of relationship dynamic it requires you to like be vulnerable. Right. And if anyway, it's, it's so layered. It's mm. so layered. I mean, like I could talk about this for hours, um, mm. but yeah, I think it's just really important to like be like comfortable within your own sexuality and like comfortable within like with speaking what your needs are in those, in those spaces. Right. Like knowing that you don't embody everything and no one else embodies everything either. Right. Like has mm. their own thing. So what is like, what's the point of jealousy? Mm. That's, that's just my opinion of it. I think jealousy does come from insecurity as well, right? Like insecurity within women. And it's something that's been really powerful in me and Luca's relationship is um, it, because I am a heterosexual cis woman. I don't have the man of a heterosexual cis male. Like, I don't know what that's like, right? I've never been in that body. I've never had a penis. That'd be fascinating, but I haven't experienced that, right? And so <laughs> it's been... Um, like interesting for me and Luca to have conversations and like ask about, you know, like what runs through his mind because he shared with me, like he has thoughts about like other women that he sees that walk by, but I, but, and, and it's been really good because I'm a naturally really curious person and I'm naturally like, I would say a pretty non-judgmental person. And it's been something that I've like said to him, I want to have this conversation. Like, let me know, like what your mind's doing because we even talked about, it's, it's almost like a primal thing. It's like, you know, looking for a mate, right? Ultimately. Um, and I think that there's a difference between having a thought and doing an action, right? Because if we were all fucking crucified for our thoughts, we'd all be in jail. Do you know what I mean? Like all of us are sick motherfuckers deep down. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Right. Um, and so it's been really empowering for us to like have these conversations, be like, yeah, like I, you know, saw this woman and I had this thought and be like, okay, well, um, and me not judging him in expressing that because um, I think a lot of, and I notice this with clients or other women, like insecure women get jealous if their man has a thought 
about another woman or sees another person that they find attractive. We all see attractive people all the time, right? I think that other people are attractive too, but then they can take that as like jealousy, which creates more like constriction in their relationship, which makes them want to act out more, right? Because it's yes. just like, don't press the red button. It's like, now I want to press fucking press the red button, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you so much for speaking to that. Right. Like it's, it's really just about like the expression of whatever is like the internal experience, right? Like, and if you feel comfortable and safe to, to do that and you feel a sense of deep trust with that person that you're with, it's like, it's game on anything is mm. possible, right? Like if there's no shame, if there's no judgment, if it's just love, like mm. pure and simple, basic, like it's so basic yet so profound Mm. that if you have that for yourself and for your partner, then like anything is possible. So what's, yeah. What's the problem. Mm. And I see, I see clients like that often as well. Right. Like there are people who come into the club that are just like, yeah, my partner knows I'm here. And like, they just want me to like have an experience and that's wonderful. And like, cool, you know, but not mm. everybody has that level of comfortability or safety in their, in their partnership or yeah. relationship themselves. So yeah. And trust. It's a, tough one. it's a tough one. It takes a long time to build trust with somebody and a long time to build trust with yourself. One of the things that you said um, when we were having dinner the other day, which was really, I thought powerful is like, you're so glad that you came into this work at more, you know, in your late twenties, cause you were in a much better place because I think sometimes we associate like exotic dancing and sex work and stuff like that with things like, you know, drugs and alcohol and like kind of darker side shadow side, but that's not your experience at all. Like, do you see that at all in your industry and like what leads people to that? Yeah. Oh, great question. Um, yeah, I think it's really important to have a sense of who you are mm. in this industry because, um, monetarily, as I'm sure many of you know, like it is quite lucrative. Um, and it can be such a powerful way to build a life for yourself to like really set yourself up for financial security, financial success in the future. Like if you're like good, if you have a basic level of investing knowledge, you can use this to catapult your life mm. and like such a socially, like it can be like a social, um, like, how do I want to say this? Like a, a jump in like the mm. social track, right? Like yeah. I grew up with a lot of money, yeah. but you can, you can like essentially like socially climb. Yeah. Of money. It, it, does that make sense? I'm sorry. Yeah, totally. Podcast, if, it, if it doesn't make sense, of but course. it can be, it can be a way to do that for yourself. And yeah. It's a very empowered way. How I see it is that drugs, alcohol, that sort of thing, like I'm more or less sober, it can take you out of that power and it can get you into situations that can be quite dangerous, um, quite insecure. Um, and it can take you away from like the boundaries that you have for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not here to shame people who do full service sex work or who do drugs and alcohol, like that is completely your choice. Um, but I, I'm just currently at a space where like, I've been in that world before of doing, of like drinking all night and not mm. being able to sleep and waking up the next day feeling like shit. And it's like, I'm just not in that space anymore. Mm. Um, and I don't want to be disempowered in doing this work. And I mean, I'm also like, I'm an energy worker as well. And I'm starting to transition out of the club and working with people who have had like sexual traumas and mm. to have a safe space to discuss that. And a lot of the time, like you're disempowering yourself and you're, you're feeding into like a, a subconscious belief that you're not worthy when you're engaging in both of those things together. It's just like, a, yeah, it can be like a, a vicious cycle. Yeah. Do you really have, like, sorry, do you have a plan? Like is, has your, do you have a plan to get out as, as yours been like your intention of this, like get in, have a lucrative place for you to set yourself up and then move out. 
hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's not like I'm also in school at the same mm-hmm. time. Like I'm passionate about like destigmatizing this entire industry because I think it can be so empowering, mm. um, but it can also be very dangerous. Like I'm not diminishing like the the darker side of of this industry, yeah, um, because it can be very ego driven, ego fueled, all of that stuff. Um, but I think it can also be very beautiful from like a sisterhood perspective. Mm. So my intention has always really been to set myself up leave and, and create something very beautiful from this. Mm. And it's, I, I have a beautiful life. Like I have incredible friends. I have a beautiful apartment. Like I love my life while mm. doing this. So I think that it can be very beautiful. And I know so many women who are in that same kind of situation. It's, it reminds me actually similar to, um, so living in Western Australia, it's a really big mining industry. And so everyone wants to go into mining because you're starting salaries like 150 K a year and then upwards. And so it's a really easy way for people to make a lot of money. Um, but the thing is it can also kind of has that shadow side because you fly in and fly out. So you're like two weeks, not at home and then you two weeks home. And so it can lead to a lot of mental health challenges and like, um, alcohol and, and drug abuse and things like that. But there, it, there also is a group of people and like Luca kind of was one of them and, and some of Luca's friends. It's like, if you have a plan to go in, like almost have like a time limit for yourself, like fucking like, you know, save a lot of money, invest a lot of money and then get out. It can be such a smart way to like set yourself up, um, you know, financially to continue to do the things that you want to do. But some people get caught in the trap of that and then they don't see the out I think on the other side I mean that's a totally different industry but it is kind of similar in some ways it's I think that whenever there's like a a large amount of money involved and Mm -hmm. a large amount of ego involved or um and like money and ego I mean like we could we could have an an entirely other podcast Mm -hmm. on that um but I think that there is yeah there's definitely an overlap in that and I think if it's done um consciously if you're conscious of that and you use the amount of financial security to set yourself up for security in, in your own body, Mm. in your own psyche. If you're going to therapy and if you're sending that, you know, the money that you're earning on like deep self-development and deep self-trust, forget it. Like you can launch into something that's totally, um, totally serves you in Mm. the future. How do you manage, obviously your, a very spiritual person, you're you do Reiki and all this stuff. What is your process for be, going into a space like that? And I can imagine you get a lot of people's as like anyone that, you know, I work on zoom with, with my clients or even in my retreats afterwards, I'm like, I have to cleanse my energy. Right. And cleanse. what is, do you have any practices for that? So that you feel energetically clean? Totally. I mean, like, yeah, as I mentioned, like astrologically, like I'm a Pisces <laughs> So like, I, I'm constantly just like absorbing people's energy and like crying mm-hmm. with people and that sort of thing. So I think I've had to learn from like a very young age to protect my energy out in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my home is like really my nest and my safe space. And in order to like, even just go out in the world, I, I energetically like ground myself and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be dealing with other people's energy. As long as I like cloak myself, I have like a, a bit of a visualization practice that I do before going into work, which is a diff- which is a bit different than I, than I have when I'm going out into the world. But effectively, it's just imagining myself cloaked in like, like this beautiful, like blue velvet um, material. Mm. So I imagine that. And then I like 
ground myself. So I bring my energy all the way down to my feet. So I imagine it coming from like the highest heavens and just floating through my body. And then I also like, I do gasho, which is like a Reiki, um, a Reiki modality for myself just to kind of stay, um, stay present with my own experience and with my own body and really tune in and listen to that. I also, when I go into, um, when I go into the club, I, um, I like, I can and I just like make the cleat my own. It's like a very energetic thing. Yeah. So people who, um, have explored the Reiki modality, I like do a sacred symbol and I like basically like place it on the walls of the club and like, okay, mm. no one touch me here. I'm good. I'm safe. Um, so I have that. And then I'm just, I check in with myself quite often as well. Um, and I think that that can be a really beautiful process when you're working with other people and working with other people's energy. Um, so I do that with my clients at home when I'm, when I'm, when I'm doing Reiki, um, realizing like, okay, well, what is mine? What is theirs? How can I be a conduit for energy? Um, and how can I recognize like when I've taken on too much and take a step back Mm. and let something else kind of guide the way. So it's a, it's a process of surrender. And then typically like in order to kind of cut those energetic bonds, when I come home, I have like an Epsom salt bath. Uh, I journal for a little bit. I have like my little cup of like adapted genetic adaptogen, adaptogen, yeah, adapted yeah. <laughs> genetic mushroom cacao. Um, and then just yeah, go to bed from there. Mm. It's the, that's, it's really cool to hear your process. Cause I've, um, I've even had, um, clients that are like nurses, right. And they work in, you know, you're in a hospital with so many sick people. Right. So it's like, you know, helping one of my clients, have a practice for her to feel energetically clean once she leaves work. You know, I think it's just so important if we're in any positions where we're facing a lot of people's energy and it's even for empathic people that take a lot on, you know, and you're in environments which you can't necessarily like control the type of people that you're surrounded by, like a wonderful group of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so important to have those practices. And so it, it it's cool to see how you bring that to the club. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love that you bring Reiki to the club. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I don't know what I would be able to do without it. Um, yeah. and it's, yeah, I love that. What you just said about like, if you're front facing, you can't really necessarily control the energy. You can't control the energy that's coming at you, but you can control yourself. Mm. And that's something that I think is really important to, to highlight and understand that like one of like, one of my favorite books is man search for meaning. Mm. And it's like, you can, you can take away the basis, like the most of the human freedoms, but you can't take away the freedom of choice mm. and choose how you decide to, to wield your energy in any moment, Mm. I think is a really, really potent way to live your life. If you're able to like control your own energy and like be present with the experience of your own life, then you're the one who's kind of running the shots. You're the one who's in the driver's seat of your own life. If you're not just constantly letting other people like, okay, here I am, here's my energy, take it all Mm -hmm. in a subconscious way, which is what we often do, especially if you grew up a people pleaser, then that's like, okay, well, my energy is tethered to like what I can give to others. Mm-hmm. And if you're constantly living in that space, then it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm out of control. You take it. But when you're able to like say, oh, you know what, listen, this is like actually not working for me. If you're able to stand for yourself and your boundaries, then that's, then it's fine. You know, like mm-hmm. then you're, you're golden. This has been such a good conversation. I love that you um, helped me like <laughs> you, you, well, I'm like, I think the words divulge all of my questions. I, I, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but like, cause I feel like I'm naturally a really curious person. I'm like, tell me about this, tell me about this. Like, what's this like? And then you're just like, here it all is. So yeah, it's really totally. cool to hear your experience and, and to, um, yeah, to speak about these things that, 
you know, I like, I listen to podcasts because I want to like hear things that people might not, you know, say as often in, in, in front facing places. We were, me and Em were speaking about that right before we started recording. Like, I think a podcast is such a beautiful way to start to explore this because, you know, one of the books I recommend my client is called Pussy, but then you have to buy a book and read a big book that says Pussy on it. And some people might not even feel that courage, but like playing a podcast like this is just like that sneaky way to start to dive into and divulge into all this like beauty that is sensuality and connecting with yourself and um, this other side. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so happy. And I mean, I just want to say like for people who are interested in like sex work and that sort of thing, because it can be a very appealing industry. It's like, you really have to know yourself. Like, and Mm. I say that with like the most reverence and respect, but like an industry like that will chew you up and spit you out. If you don't have good boundaries, like if you don't Mm. know yourself very well, get ready to know yourself really well, because Mm. it's, it's one of the most energetically, physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally draining things that you could possibly do. If it's not, if not, if not, if done unconsciously. Mm. So I just want to give that disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. My last question, I got to sneak in here. What is your uh, opinion then of OnlyFans? Like, oh, I don't, I don't have one. You don't However, have one. I think it's a great passive income. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's awesome. I've, I've thought often of like starting one, uh, even if it's just like, like silly dancing in my living room, just like being an upsell to clients. I think that could be really fun. Um. Yeah, I, I I don't see a problem with it. Does that cross over? Do do many exotic dancers have OnlyFans or is it plenty? Okay. Yeah. And I mean like there's there's so many different people that are that are working there, right? Like that are that are dancing, right? Like it could be their only um, you know, stream of income or it's like all they want to do. And mm. like fantastic, right? Like so make it as lucrative as you possibly can. Mm. Yeah. I, I've seen that side of OnlyFans as well. It's like exactly what you said. There's some people that, you know, do it and can be super lucrative, but it's a really not a good place for their mental health or their well-being because they didn't go into it in the right place. And then there's other people that just fucking optimize it and like make bank and like good on them. You know what I mean? And then like go fucking help the world, um, you know, and live the life that they want to live. So it's um it really is coming back to where are you? And I think about this, um, one of the things I say to my clients, it's not, it's not what you do, it's the intention that you do something with, right? Like, you know, if you, if you do it with self-hatred, you know, you could eat a fucking salad with self-hatred and it's like, go, it's better to go eat like a burger or McDonald's with like the most presence and self-love in the world than like hate yourself and eat a salad, right? Like intention is everything. And then my, the space that you're in is everything. Yes, yes, yes. And energy precedes everything that too, you know, like if you're energetically feeling like really shitty and you're going to like eat a salad, you could like hate yourself while eating a salad. Like mm-hmm. and it's going to, anyway, I f- we could have so many. <laughs> There's so many tangents. Eating food with, yeah, absorbing it mm-hmm. and then you become hatred, right? Mm-hmm. Like anyway, vibration of food. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh, that's can- a, yeah. That's another forever. conversation. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap up today? Yes. Um, if you're looking to connect with me, I have an Instagram that Danielle will link in the show notes, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Um, and I would love to connect. I actually have like a free offering called um, the S- Sacral Alchemy work- Workbook. And oh, cool. uh, it like gives you a step-by-step guide to like freeing your sacral energy. 
Mm. And if you're wanting to like dive more deeply into that, I'm super happy to help you with that. And we can connect over a one-to-one and yeah, just like start living your damn life. Mm. Life of your freaking dreams. That sounds like such a good way that um, workbook sounds such a good, like such a good way for women to start to dive into this. Yes. Yes. And it's like a lot of presence exercises, a lot of like journaling prompts, moving your body, dancing, all that kind of stuff. Naked dancing in your living room. So good. Keep dancing in your living room naked until you dance all the same. Like, (laughs) yes. So good. Well, thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. And all my beautiful souls have a wonderful day. Welcome to the other side, beautiful souls. I so deeply appreciate you spending this time with me. My intention with this podcast is to uplift, love on, and inspire you and align my actions with this intention. But as with everything in the world of personal and spiritual development, take what feels good for you and leave the rest. As a white, able-bodied, cisgender woman, the perspectives I share here are inherently affected by my privileges. I'm actively invested in learning how to elevate and support lived experiences beyond my own, and I'm always open to and grateful for your feedback. I am listening. No matter who you are, where you're from, or where you're going, I see you, I love you, and you matter. So thank you for listening, beautiful souls, and I'll see you next time.